No, I am not trying to. Is this on? Yes. Is it on now? Can you hear me? Oh, good. Then it's on. I'm not trying to imitate the Messiah. This is, um, Glenn and I have a custom every February, Black History Month. We wear one of our cultural garbs that originates from the land in which we come from. Uh, correction from this morning, this this uniform and hers comes from Cameroon. Uh, most of my bloodline is from Cameroon, uh, and uh, we, we're we planning to go to Ghana, and our bloodline is from there in May, so keep us in your prayers. Uh, but uh, So that's our custom, and this is the last Sunday in Black History Month, and so we are wearing our African garb as we always do every year uh, during the Black History Month. Um, I like to uh, sing my song, uh, the only one that we all know. I'm coming to practice so that we can learn some more of my songs, uh, uh, and uh, we'll do that. Sing with me. I really love the Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I really love the can't tell you what he's done for me, how he is giving me victory. That's why I love him. I love Jesus. I really, really, really love the Lord. Oh, sing it one more time. I love Jesus. I really, I really love, really love the Lord. Oh, praise your holy name, Jesus. I really, really love the Lord. Oh, you, 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 you don't know. I can't tell you all he's done for me. How he is. Even right now, giving me victory. That's why I love him. I love Jesus. I really, really, really love the Lord. I'm going to sing his praise now. I'm going to, I'm going to sing. His praise. Oh, praise your holy name, Jesus. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sing His praise. Oh, you, 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 you don't know what He's done for me. How He is, even right now, giving me sweet victory. That's why I love him. I love Jesus. I really, really, really love the Lord. Oh, you, 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 you don't know. You don't know all he's done for me. How he is 
even right now, giving me victory. That's why I love him. I love Jesus. I really, really, really love the Lord. I give thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ who counted me faithful calling me into ministry. And then I want to thank my preacher. I call him my preacher. I know he's all of our preacher, but he's my preacher. Jonathan, uh, he and I discussed uh, this, I guess in January sometime, that I was going to do a multicultural take on John 4 while he gave the, he gave another, the take uh, from scripture. And uh, we're talking about that today. Uh, as we did this morning, I want to acknowledge that we should always be grateful to God for him giving us Jonathan and Leslie and that family. And I want you to show them around by a round of applause how much you appreciate the ministry that God has given them. I not only call Jonathan my preacher, Glenda knows I call him my favorite preacher. And so, because uh, I have several preachers, but he's my favorite preacher. And so, I also want to acknowledge our guest, uh, Glenda and I have a guest here today, a special guest, Dr. Andrea Morris. And Dr. Morris is the assistant to the provost for strategic initiatives uh, in the office of the provost. She is so smart and so gifted. Glad you're here. Would you mind standing? You, she's been here before, I know. But, you know, let's welcome our guest from Harding, Dr. Morris. No, you cannot take her out to dinner. We are. So, Glenda and I, she's already has an invitation for that. What I want to do today is to talk about the fact that Jesus talked to the Samaritan woman at the well. Now, don't put any scriptures up. I'll just do what we need to do with this, if you don't mind. Um, I want to give you um, the background of John chapter 4. Jesus, uh, it was after the, he learned that the Pharisees knew that he was baptizing more disciples than John. And although the text makes it clear, he did not himself personally baptize, but it was, in fact, his disciples that did the baptizing. The Bible says that uh, he determined to go to Samaria. And the Bible says, and I want verse 4 uh, of the text says that he says, it is necessary that I go through Samaria. I'm going to come back to that in just a moment. But I want you to know he says it's necessary. We'll expand on that in just a moment. Now, when Jesus went to Samaria, uh, he went there and he came to a well um, of Jacob. And, and the text says that after he had come to the well, there was a woman who, who was there from Samaria. Now, I need you to know that Jesus violated several rabbinican norms <laughs> by going to that well and talking 
to a woman. Uh, no, no lawful rabbi would ever talk to a woman in public. And that was a public place because the well were where the townspeople would come at some point and gather their water. And so it was a public place, and now you got a rabbi talking to a woman. Well, the second problem with him talking to a woman was that he was talking to a woman who many would consider to be a woman of low repute. She was a woman who apparently had had some uh, moral issues in her life. We know this to be true because as we got into the dialogue that he had with her, uh, he, he says, I want you to go and get your husband. And she says, I don't uh, have a husband. He says, you're right. You've had five husbands. And the one you have now, that makes six, is not your husband. So this is a woman that had six men. And I know that she was looked upon or frowned upon uh, as a woman of repute because of the time that she came to the well. Now, any of those of you who are from, uh, from uh, rural areas or country areas, you know that nobody goes to get water at 12 o'clock noon. We already know that in the summertime that, that at 5 or even 6 in the morning that people get water early. Why? Come on now, people who are from, it's what? It's too hot. You don't go to the well at 12 o'clock to get water. And this woman knows that. That's why she's coming at 12 o'clock. Because none of the town people are going to be there. And it's apparent that she did not want the town people to engage them while she was getting water. So in the heat of the day, she's coming to that well. And uh, so, so this, this, this tells me that, that this is a problem. Now, and so she's had six men. She's currently living with a man who is not a husband. She tells him the truth. I don't have a husband. Well, you got a man and you're living with him and in vernacular today, you're shacking up with him, and you had five before him. So the question is, why does Jesus come to that well at 12 o'clock noon? Now I'm going back to the point I raised in verse 4. Now, I need to give you all the ground rules again. I know it's a long time since I preached. Y'all have noticed I'm a black preacher, right? <laughs> See, in the black church, when the preacher preaches, folks say amen. And here you all are giving me this silent treatment. <laughs> and this silent treatment in the black church, what we believe, we really believe this, at least I was told it could be a preaching point, Jonathan, but that if the people don't say amen, that means they didn't get the point. Now I got to keep explaining the point until they get it. 
Amen? So now you're going to have to say something so that I can get through the sermon. We don't want this sermon to be eternal. We want to get through the sermon. So when I make a point that you understand, what are you going to say? Amen or something. Now, now we're on the same page. And, and, and so now, notice I said earlier that verse 4 says, it is necessary that I go through Samaria. Now, many scholars, and I uh, did some refreshing on what the scholars said this past week, Jonathan, and it's amazing to me how so many scholars don't want this verse to say that it was by divine appointment. They're saying that, well, because it's the quickest way from Judea to Samaria, is to, through uh, Galilee, is to go through Samaria. Now, that's true. But I beg to differ with you. Theologically speaking, I want you to know that the theology of this passage comes from the word it is imperative that I go. It's necessary. This word is in the imperfect tense. And I need you to know that the interpretation of the imperfect tense is continuous action in the past. All right? Not only is the action continuous in the past, but it's still going on in the present. That's what ventures the statement, I must go to Samaria. That decision to go to Samaria, these folk ain't saying nothing over here. Let me come over here. That decision, can y'all hear me over here? Okay, thank you very much. That decision to go to Samaria was a decision that had made, been made in the past. It was, not a, it was a decision that was still in effect today, but the decision was made in the past. It was a decision that was continually made in the past. Someone's going to say, well, well, when was it made? Well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him specifically. But I do have a clue. When John writes the, the Gospel of John, you need to pay special attention to the, his use of the imperfect. The imperfect. Did I say imperative? It's imperfect. All right. Regardless of what I say going forward, it's the imperfect tense, okay? Keep that in mind. So if I say imperative because they sound alike, I'm talking about the imperfect tense. John makes a special use of the, word, of the imperfect tense. Notice he begins his discussion in John, the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the word, right? All right now, they're they with me right now. And the word was with God. Is that right? And the word was God. That word was, is a what? And imperfect. Thank you very much. See, these people over here, at least they heard me. I don't know about y'all over there, but uh, it, it was, it's an imperfect tense. What, how do you then interpret that? It means Jesus, in the beginning, the word continually existed in the past. The imperfect tense is what you use when you want to make the point of eternality. 
He always was in the past. There was never a time that he was not. He always was. Theologically, he is talking about the eternal nature of Jesus. He always was in the past. He always was with God in the past. He always was himself God in the past. You use the imperfect tense to make the case that that thing was done in the past on a continual basis. So now you come to this word. It is necessary. And that's imperfect tense. The correct terminology would have been it was necessary in the past continually. It was always necessary. And the decision to go to Samaria today is not based upon what's happening today. It's based upon the discussion that I had with my father way back in the past. This is by divine appointment. So why is it necessary that he go to Samaria? Because he knows that when he goes to that well at 12 o'clock noon, He has an appointment with a woman who is perceived to be of low repute. With a woman he knows that the townspeople don't appreciate. With a woman who knows because of the scandalous nature of her behavior is going to be coming to that well at 12 o'clock noon when nobody else is going to be there. And Jesus has been determined when the past long time ago, I'm going to meet her. Jesus went to that well to meet that woman. Now that's important. Because first he's going to meet a woman. He's going to violate the norms of rabbis and rabbinical protocol by talking to this woman in public. A woman of ill repute. And on top of that, she is one of those dirty Samaritans as characterized by the Jews. And his very fact that he's going there ought to tell you something about his attitude about Samaritans. It ought to tell you his attitude about people who are ethnically different. This woman is ethnically different. She is not a Jew. And you know why we know that? Later on as they kept talking She said, our fathers said that we should meet in this mountain. But you Jews say that Jerusalem is the place. Jesus said, the hour is coming 
when you will need the worship in this mountain or in Jerusalem. Am I right about it? He says, but those that worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. God is spirit. And they who worship him doesn't matter what the ethnicity is. It's not based upon being in a certain place. It's based upon the fact that he created them and he always intended that everybody in the whole world would all have access to him. Can't we see how irrational racism is? He does not validate it. He invalidates racism. Because in divine history, in the past somewhere, the Godhead made a determination that when you are made flesh and you are temporarily tabernacling among men, after you began your ministry, I want you to go to Samaria. You're going to meet with a woman. You're going to violate all rabbinical customs and norms. You're going to talk not only to a woman in public, but a woman of low repute. A woman who's had not just five men, but six men. And she's presently cohabitating with a man right now. She's going to that well at 12 o'clock noon because she believes she's the only one that's going to be there. But you're going to show up and meet her at that well. Can y'all say amen? I'll move on if you will. And so, now I need to ask a question. Who are these Samaritans? One thing is clear, that the Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. Matter of fact, in their conversation, Jesus says, I want you to give me a drink. And she is so astonished by the request here he is violating another cultural norm. It would be tantamount to you going, or me, I'll say me, because you can't get offended if I said I did it. Me going up to a homeless person who happens to be Anglo. I'm going to bring it into this context. On the street, no place to live, no shower, having taken any showers, not having a good smell. And I go up to that homeless person, and they have a cup, and I ask them, I want you to take your water. And put it in the cup. Anybody following me? I want you to give me 
a drink of that cup. Anybody following me? The person is Anglo. I'm African American, in case you didn't know. Why would I go up to an Anglo person who is considered of no reputation, who's considered the worst of the people in our lands? Why would I ask him, I want you to give me a drink out of your cup? You need to see this is so far out of line with all customs and norms and mores because the Samaritans are seen as being worse than dogs. They're so bad in the sight of Jews that many Jews will not even go through Samaria so they can have no contact with them. They would go around, a long way around with more than a day's journey, just so they didn't have to come in contact with those filthy Samaritans. Give me a drink out of your cup. So she's astonished. How is it? How is it? that you being a Jew would ask me a Samaritan for a drink. You know, you know the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Besides that, you don't even have a cup. You're asking me to drink out of my cup. How is this possible? Why do the Jews have such disdain for Samaritans? Some scholars say that the Samaritans, and much of my life, uh, Jonathan, before I started really studying deeper, I was always told by the preachers that I grew up under that the Samaritans were half-breeds that they were a Jewish and Gentile mix, and therefore they were related in that regard. Well, that's before I knew that Second Kings existed. Second Kings, the 17th chapter, we couldn't get it right this morning, so I'll just read it myself, okay? Oh, oh you got the New King James Version, huh? You say you fixed it, huh? Second Kings, the 17th chapter. And y'all just follow along. I don't know what that is, but I got it here on my text, and I'm just going to read it. You all follow along with me. And the Lord, I'm making a long story short. Second Timothy, I mean, Second Kings 17, verse, beginning with verse 20. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. He not, did not just reject some. He rejected all the descendants of Israel. All right? 
and he delivered them. God delivered them. Assyria did not capture Israel. Hello? God gave Israel to Assyria until he had cast them from his sight. You know what that means? You make me so sick, I don't want to see you. That's hyperbolic. You know he sees all things. For he tore, he tore Israel from the house of David, and they made Jeroboam the son of Nebat, Nebat. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit a great sin. For the children of Israel walked in all of the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them until. Y'all got that? Until when? Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight. As he had said by all of the, his servants, the prophets. So Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria as it is to this day. How many of Israel was carried away according to this passage? All of them. Now we know from other passages, he's just not giving the narrative here, that there was just a remnant that was left. But to say that the Samaritans were based upon a small portion of Israel and the overwhelming majority of the land is now by Gentile occupation, I don't know how you could make that half-breed. <laughs> it's, not, it's not, but anyway, let's go forward. Then the king of Assyria brought people from Babylon Notice where these groups came from. Babylon, Qatar, Ava, Hamath, and Saravam. Y'all see that? And what did he do? He placed them in the cities of Samaria instead of, not besides, not with, but instead of the children of Israel and they, who are the they? People from Babylon, Kutha, Ava, Hamath, Sarevaim. They took position of Samaria and dwelt in the city. So what is the point? First thing we need to know, the Samaritans were not Jews. They were not Jews. They were Gentiles from other nations. Well, the question then becomes, how is it that they then got the Jewish customs? Well, I'll just tell you this. You don't have time to read it, and I don't want to go through belabor that. If you read through the rest of Second Kings, what you'll find out is, is that when they came, those different cultures from different nations came and were settled in Samaria, they each had their own gods, and they each served their own gods. All right? Well, 
So God got tired of them. So God sent wild lions to devour them. And when they were being eaten by those lions, they ran back to the king of Assyria and said, in other words, we've angered the God of the land. And now we got wild lions that are killing us. So the king said, this is what you do. You go get one of those prophets that are from Israel. And you get that prophet to come in and teach you about the God of the land. That prophet was one of the prophets of God. And he taught them about the God of heaven. And then what you do is, is that you give homage to the God of the land. And that'll get rid of those lions from eating you all up. Well, they did that. And when they learned about the God of heaven, Jehovah God, they began to serve God. But, and Jonathan, I cannot, I don't know why they said in secret. Who is the secret from? <laughs> God who sees all things. In secret, they still worship their own gods. The Samaritans were not Jews. But they learned about Jewish culture through the prophet of God who taught them about worshiping God. That's why the controversy came into existence that we are to worship at Mount Gerasim, but the Jews worship God in Jerusalem and Jesus settled it all. Now let me close this thing out. Y'all got time for me to close this? Now, you got to be with the preacher. I'm an old preacher. I'm going to close, but I need you to let me go ahead and close in my own way. Can I do that? I'm actually headed for my conclusion. The Samaritans reviewed as less than, and other by the Jews. And they had remnants of the Jewish faith because they had been taught by the prophets of God. But the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans and called them other. Homogeneous ethnic groups through the history of life, of time, have had a tendency to have a us against them mentality. There is us and there is other. And the other are not a part of us. Christian people have tried to go to the word of God to justify their otherness. That's why maybe they're working so hard to say 
It was not by divine appointment. But I know it was by divine appointment because it was a decision that was made in the past. And the impact of that decision was still lingering in the present. He didn't just decide, I'm going to Samaria. He decided it continually long ago in the past. When I get to glory, I'm going to sit at the throne of God. I'm going to ask him some questions. Can you tell me when you made the decision in the past that Jesus was going to come on the scene in John 4 in the present and therefore fulfill your decision that he's going to go to Samaria? Even if they tell me it's none of my business, I'm going to ask it anyhow because I'm going to be in glory and I know he ain't going to kick me out for asking. So I need to know why. I don't know when, but I do know why. Because Jesus was making a statement, there is no other people. All of these people belong to me. Am I right about it? And therefore, you need to understand that I'm going to go at 12 o'clock noon to a well where there's going to be a woman of disrepute, of ill repute. And I'm going to let her know about the water that I will give, of which she drinks. She will never be thirsty again. Am I right about it? i tell you what else I'm going to do. I'm going to stay there in the city of Samaria for two days. I'm going to preach the kingdom of heaven to those Samaritans. I'm going to make sure that they are baptized. I am going there to let everybody know that the Lord who created the heavens and the earth created all men. And no men are better than other men. They're all God's children, and he's going to claim all of them. Y'all still with me? I'm closing. I'm closing. It takes us a little while to get there, but I'm closing. Stay with me just a little while longer. And so the Bible lets us know that when he gave the limited commission, he told us apostles, the 12, I don't want you to go to the house of the Gentiles, didn't he? I don't want you to go to the cities of Samaria. I just want you to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Am I right about it? And some people love to stop there. But I need to let you know, he was just preparing them to go out on a limited commission in anticipation of the Great Commission. Am I right about it? Right before he mounted the clouds of glory to go back to heaven, he came to Jerusalem, didn't he do it? He met those disciples there. He says, I tell you what I want you to do. According to Acts, he says, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem until you get the power of the Holy Spirit. And then I need you to understand you're going to be my witnesses. Where are we going to be your witnesses, Lord? You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. First of all, that's 
where you is, as the old lady said, Ebonics, y'all. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Then I want you to be my witnesses throughout all of Judea. That takes care of all of Jewry, doesn't it? Next, I want you to be my witnesses into Samaria. And then next, I want you to be my witnesses unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Am I right about it? And so what does he say? And Matthew's rendition says, I want you to, having gone, I want you to make disciples of all the nations. Then I want you to baptize them. All the nations. Racism is foolish. It's an affront to the integrity of God. I don't just preach this. You think I just, I preach this message to black folk too. I have preached this message to the Latinx people too. And I'm preaching it to you. This message is, is not, it's old time I got it to you. <laughs> and the message is, God does not consider anyone other. Now this time I really am going to close. I'm coming down now. See, this is the last phase of closing. When Jesus wanted to drill the point about the Samaritans, there was a lawyer. This is my last close, y'all. I'm close to my seat. You can see it. After I get through, the elders are going to come and, and, uh, and, and come and give the prayer of the people, and then I'll give you the send-off, Okay. So this morning I didn't do it, but I'm doing it today. So I got it right. There was a lawyer. Jesus began to talk about loving the Lord your God, loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm just cutting that short because I got to close. And so then the lawyer trying to prove himself and trap Jesus said, well, who is my neighbor? I could just hear the Lord. I'm glad you asked that. There was a certain man. He was a Jew. He was coming down from Jerusalem, going to Jericho, on the Jericho Road. Am I right about it? And he fell among thieves, and they beat him. They stripped him. They left him half dead. Y'all going to say amen over here while I close? I'm going to get finished if you say amen. You better say something. They stripped him and beat him, left him half dead. And the Bible says this Jewish man who fell among the thieves, after a time a Levite, who was one of those that waited at the temple, came along and saw his fellow Jewish brother, laying on the side of the road, half dead. He walked by, crossed by, on the other side and left him there bleeding. After a while, a priest came, and a priest saw that Jewish man, perhaps even one of his parishioners, laying on the side, bleeding to death. He passed by 
on the other side, here comes a Samaritan. You know, the one that y'all don't have any dealings with. The one that is lower than low. He came along. He's not contaminated by Jewish theology. He just sees a bleeding man. He gets off of his own animal. He goes up to that Jewish man. He binds his wounds and pours his own oil in that Jewish man's wounds. Picks the Jewish man up. Puts him on his own animal. Transports him to the inn. Obviously a businessman who travels that way a lot. He says, I'm giving you this amount of money. I want you to attend to all of his needs. And if you get more, spend more than what I gave you, I, that's all right. When I get back through here, I'll give you the balance of it. So now Jesus asks that lawyer, who is his neighbor? He said, it's the one who had mercy on him. He said, you go and do likewise. What's the point? We're all neighbors. Nobody is a better than the other, not just those of our own ethnic group. This, is, this sermon comes to you after that. There was a time that I hated all Anglos. You all know that. He had to work on me. He had to get me to realize, who am I to be hating people because I think they hate me? Because when I came up as a child of the 50s, all I saw on television was them calling my people the N-word, spitting on them and sending dogs on them. And I hate it. But when I found Jesus, he changed my mindset. You are my people. You're my peeps. I love this family because Jesus came into my life. And so I'm through 